No baller. I am Chris Rawl, and it is Tuesday, May 25th. On today's show, I'll be talking about the PGA Championship. It's in the books, and Phil Mickelson is the oldest major champion in history. Before we get to that, a little bit of gambling. Last night, the Milwaukee Bucks played the Miami Heat, uh, and I throw a little money on the action because I, I was inspired to do so. And I, I was settling in for a dogfight because game one was fantastic. Overtime, back and forth battle that the Bucks pull out. Because of this, I say, I'm going to take Milwaukee minus two in the first half. I think they were inspired, and they're going to do bigger and better things in game two. Little do I know, the Bucks lose their minds in the first quarter, in a good way. Uh, and this is spearheaded by a backup guard named Bryn Forbes, who comes in off the bench and turns into some combination of Steph Curry and Michael Jordan and LeBron James and leads this three-point barrage where the Bucks go 10 for 15 in the quarter. They spring out to a 26-point lead in the first quarter, which ties an NBA playoff record. It was madness. It was crazy. And I was freaking out about it, and I turned into the biggest Bryn Forbes fan on planet Earth, something that probably nobody has ever said once in, in the history of the world. So today, why gambling should be legal in Utah? Because it will convince you ever so briefly that Bryn Forbes is just as good as LeBron James. And now a word from our sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your masquerading and you always call Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. One week ago, I recorded an episode titled Eternally in Flux. It was about baseball and the never-ending search and evolution to become something different from what it used to be and what it is in present day. As part of that episode, I talked a lot about the sport of golf, which is going through a similar soul-searching process uh, in trying to find what it is in present day and what it wants to be moving forward. And within that episode, I referenced a theme, art versus science, something that kind of the battle for the soul of golf is summed up in those words. On the one hand, you have the people who believe golf is an artistic expression. And the more that you can encourage that, and accentuate that, the better it is for the game of golf. And then you have the people who believe that golf is a game that can be mastered by science, by track man and honing down a golf swing to blast a ball as far as you want and doing that over and over at a range, and that's how you master the sport of golf. It's two opposing ideas that are at war with one another for what golf is and what golf should be. So as part of this debate, uh, the battle for the soul of golf is also a battle on where to play a major championship and how to set up a major championship, which is, is something that I find to be very interesting. I'm on the golf is art side of things, and I think it's at its most impactful when golf is an art form when you're forced to think and play on the fly, and when you have to acknowledge that you can't control everything. That's the strongest viewing product when it comes to golf. 
uh, that's the, the most entertaining brand of golf to play because it stresses every possible facet of your game in a way that the scientific side does not. So we get to major championships and they have to determine which side they're skewing on. Very rarely will you see one that's right in the middle. It's usually one of those two things. It's golf is science and we are going to set up a bomber's paradise where you can blast a golf ball as far as you need and that will give you a huge advantage over the field because there's not uh, problems where you hit it. You can just throw it into the rough and blast it out and you have a huge advantage because you're hitting from 100 yards out of the rough rather than 200, like the people who have less power off of the tee. And then you have major championships that can get set up that embrace the artistic side. They say, you have to think when you play this golf course. It will not be the same every day. Uh, it, it will not be knowable in the way that some people want it to be. And because of that, you have to play and think in a way that is really, really fascinating and really entertaining to watch as a golf fan. When you set up a championship golf course like this, when you say, we're going to create firm conditions, it's not going to be soft and spongy where you can hit a four iron and you know for a fact it'll stop within five yards of that spot. It encourages creativity. It encourages artistic expression. It encourages thought, uh, which again is a big part of golf if applied correctly, the physical side, the mental side, something that I've also talked about many times on No Baller. Uh, it taps into diversity in how holes are played each day rather than just presenting every par three is 220 yards and this is how it's played and you just go and it's copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. It's making a different setup every day to test different parts of a golfer's game. One day it's a 550-yard beast of a par four and the next day you could set it up as a drivable par four just by changing the tees and creating a pin for a good risk-reward scenario. It's stuff like that. Uh, and really encouraging and creating a setting that says you can't know everything about this. The unknowable is one of the great aspects of golf. And it's also one of the great aspects of what a golfer has to master on the mental side, uh, which again, I, I think is a very important part of golf, just as important as the physical side. The mental challenge in, in golf is just as strong as the physical challenge. And when you set up a course to equally test both of those skill sets, you find yourself in a special place. So the PGA Championship finishes over this weekend, and it's played at Kiowa Island in South Carolina. 7,876 yards, the longest ever for a major championship. So going into the week, I hear that stat passed around, and I get a little bit nervous because I think of golf as science. Bomber's paradise, only these specific people can win because you have to possess a certain amount of length off the tee. That was a little bit of a worry. And yet, as I'm watching the tournament play out, I understand that this is not the case because this was a course that was set up to the maximum degree to emphasize golf as art. Uh, it was length with purpose. You couldn't just bash with no repercussions. You really had to think about when to unleash and when to stay back and how to balance those things. It, was, it, it encouraged thought. You couldn't just pound your driver out anywhere because there was trouble at every turn. There's bunkers here. There's waste areas there. 
And it was a really cool setup to encourage a lot of different people to contend in this major. It was the site of one of the most memorable weeks of golf in a very long time. One that gave us Phil Mickelson, the oldest major champion in the history of golf. Uh, And setup is key to creating an event like that. You have constant wind throughout the tournament because it's right there on the coastline. It's the ocean course. And that channels the unknowable. Wind direction is changing every day, and it drastically changes how each hole is played depending upon just the wind direction. You can't know in advance what it's going to be, and so you have to think on the fly. And you have to converse with your caddy, and you have to think about things like, what is the trajectory of my shot going to be? How am I going to play this? Where is the one place I cannot afford to miss? You have to think from point A to point B, B to C, so on and so forth. Uh, And it creates a really, really entertaining viewing event, one that we saw for all four days. It's what made Sunday such an entertaining day because even as Phil was going back and forth with Kepka and Louis Oosthuizen, it was creating these enormous swings on each hole in a way that we almost never see at a major championship because you couldn't know what was coming your way. You'd played these holes many times, practice rounds and the three days prior in the tournament, And yet on Sunday, because of a change in wind, they were all playing drastically different. That's a really cool viewing experience. So the holes are never playing the same. That is key. Because variety is a big deal when you want the very best in artistic expression, right? You don't just say, give me the same thing over and over and over. That's not art. That's creating a photograph and printing it 10 million times and handing it out. You know, what we want is I want an individualized painting and now do something completely different. Give me another painting. That's art in its highest and purest form. And so a setup that maximizes that, it it puts viewers and golfers alike in a very good place. I mentioned the bunkers and the beaches and the waste areas. All of these areas that were really, really... They played prominent roles in the tournament, and they also forced people to think and play on the fly. It wasn't just a cut and dry. If you were in a bunker, you play a normal bunker shot, and this is how it is. There's big weeds everywhere. You're sometimes in those. You're hitting out of these waste areas on strange lies. And that's infuriating for the scientist or the person who just wants to practice and repeat the same bunker swing over and over. Uh, And this is a blank canvas for the artistic crowd. It's saying here, you have to do something unique every single day and honestly, sometimes on every single hole. And so if you can think on the fly and if you are comfortable with saying, I can't possibly know everything I'm going to run up against today. And once it's there in front of me, then I have decisions to make and an execution to perform. That's a really good place for golfers and for viewers alike. So I want to read a quote to you. Uh, It's a post-tournament quote from Phil Mickelson. Uh, He gave it to Bob Herrig of ESPN. Worked harder is the deal, Mickelson said. I just had to work harder physically to be able to practice as long as I wanted to. And I've had to work a lot harder to be able to maintain focus throughout a round. That's been the biggest challenge of late. My desire to play is the same. I've never been driven by exterior things. I've always been intrinsically motivated because I love to compete. 
I love playing the game. I love having opportunities to play against the best at the highest level. That's what drives me. And I think the belief that I could still do it inspired me to work harder. I just didn't see why it couldn't be done. It just took a little bit more effort. End quote. There's a famous author. Her name is Zora Neale Hurston. And she has a really beautiful line that says, there are years that ask questions and years that answer. And when I think of that line, I, I can't help but think of golf and I can't help but think of this tournament and Phil Mickelson and, and this quote that he's giving to Bob Herrick about love and what motivates him within the game of golf. Uh, those of you who play golf, you know that you have to find that in, in some way. Some people, it's the overboard competitor and, and I'll grind myself into dust in order to win. And then other people have to find a different avenue. And I read that quote from Phil and it really speaks to me because my relationship with the game of golf and how I play, it, it comes from that same source. It comes from love. It comes from this is something I genuinely love and I'm passionate about and I can find ways that it gives me joy every single time that I'm out there. And Phil Mickelson, he's a, he's a strange fellow and a lot of stuff that he does probably isn't that genuine, but the one thing that I never doubt about Phil Mickelson is his love for the game of golf. That comes off of the screen when you watch him. It comes out in every story that you hear about him from the media where they'll find him and he's flipping flop shots in some hidden nook at Augusta National Golf Club over and over with nobody around. Bill Mickelson loves the game of golf. And so we go back to this quote from Zora Neale Hurston. There are years that ask questions and years that answer. And I think about that three-way relationship of Phil Mickelson and love and the game of golf. And it's a really incredible story and one that was compelling for viewers over this week because golf is a game that is perfectly encapsulated by this quote. It's just a continual, never-ending search for answers. And very rarely do you find those answers. Sometimes you actually just don't. And so you go years and years and all that are there are questions. Question after question after question. And it can get overwhelming a lot of the time. And there's always a crossroad moment, or usually more times than not, tons of crossroad moments where you go, what is bringing me back to this game? Is it that I need one answer down the road or that I have to be the very best version of, of a golfer th that I can possibly be? Or is it as simple as I love this game and maybe I don't find answers within it, but... I can still take a hell of a lot out of something that I love, even if it doesn't end in me winning at the highest level. Phil has gone through a lot of years, uh, probably about five now, since he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Henrik Stenson at the British Open in a very memorable duel. And since that point, his career has just kind of cratered because he's old and he's getting older, and that's how aging works. And so we'd kind of pushed him to the side because why wouldn't we? He wasn't playing good golf. He would continually miss the cut at a bunch of these tournaments that he's showing up at. He was not doing anything of note at majors. He's just kind of the goofy old guy who was hawking coffee and wearing weird shades and giving thumbs up and a goofy little smile. And then we arrive at this weekend and 
a course that is set up to maximize artistic expression and to really make you determine what your motivation for being there is. The course did that to the nine millionth degree, both of those things. And so we have a story that comes out of that that's incredible. A dude who was kind of given up for dead as far as it comes to containing, contending in major championships, he rises to the top of, of a loaded field of the very best players in the world. And all of those years that ask questions, they did yield an answer. Uh, even if it's just for four days and it's a one-off, all of those years yielded the most memorable golf tournament of his career. That's the one thing that people will look back at. And, and I think above all else, more than his first Masters win, more than any of his other majors wins or the duel against Stenson where he actually loses. Like this is the memory that I think people will have of Phil. It's going and conquering the longest major championship in the history of golf to this point against a field of young people who are all about length and a lot of them are about golf is science. And he took the opposite route and he rode that to a major championship. Uh, This is an area that I am very passionate about because I play a lot of amateur golf. And so I've asked a lot of questions of myself that anybody who is deeply involved with the game has to ask of themselves. And golf is strangely spiritual. I think that's true for me. And that is true for, again, anybody who's deeply involved with the game. It's echoed in this quote from Mickelson. You hear words like belief and love and inspired. And I think about what golf actually is. It's okay, I have to have faith in the unknowable. When a course is set up like this, I can't possibly know what is coming my way. And so I have to have faith that I can perform and execute and that will bear fruit. It is about the belief that you can always be better. That's the continual process where you try to say, this is where I'm at right now and and I know I can be better in all these areas and I'm going to get to that point and I have to put in work and I have to believe that that work will also bear fruit And I know that I'm going to be in a better place because of this progression. That's Phil Mickelson saying, I just had to work harder. uh, And I had to believe. That taps into a very spiritual source. This contentment with who you are and what you are within the game of golf. It seems like those two things are at war with one another, and they kind of are. Contentment with who you are and a belief that you can always be better. That's a continual balance that I have to try and find within golf. That's a continual balance that a professional golfer will have to find because no matter who you come across in the game of golf, they will always tell you, I can be better in this area. If I just drove the ball like DeChambeau, or if I just putted like Jordan Spieth, or if I just chipped like this, like you go down the list and every single person, the number one ranked player in the world or an amateur like myself, they will always say, I can be vastly better in all of these areas. And yet to perform within a tournament, you have to be very content with what you are in that tournament. You have to say, these are the skills I have today. uh, And this is the mental approach and game that I have today. And I believe that I can win with this approach. And once I'm done after this tournament, I can go back to the lab and I can go back to the practice screen and I can try and better myself. But you have to find a balance between those two things.
Um, this whole idea, uh, golf is spirituality, golf as artistic expression. It's the same idea why a great artist can't really create their best work solely for money. Uh, it has to come from an intrinsic motivation. You know, for Phil, that's love. For me, that's love. Uh, for other people, it, it comes from a different place. You can find a lot of avenues to get to the same source, but you can't strictly be motivated by these external things. I can't go and play in a golf tournament because I'm trying to win $500. That won't bring the very best out of me, and that definitely won't provide the most enjoyable experience for me. Uh, I have to approach it from a place of love and from a place of faith and belief and contentment and all these things that I'm talking about. Uh, it, it's why the game of golf and especially the careers of, of aging stars like Mickelson, like Tiger Woods, who I mentioned last week in a show, it's why it's so strongly symbolized by this Hurston quote, uh, the years that ask questions and, and years that answers. It's really cool to watch that play out in your own life or in the lives of others. You can see people struggle over and over and over. Uh, and then when there's a breakthrough and you get to watch it or the breakthrough is for yourself, that's a really special moment. So I talk about this course setup and I talk about Phil Mickelson's approach to the game and what this major championship brought out and what a really good course setup can bring out. Golf is physical, and golf is also mental. And the mental side is the side that's most interesting to me. And I think the side that requires mastery at an almost incomprehensible level when it comes to professional golf. Uh, golf is an artistic expression. It places great stress upon the mental side of your game. It's strenuous. Uh, how do you respond to the unknowable? That's a hard question in any aspect of life. You want to talk about just that question— and apply it back into the spiritual realm, people struggle with that in religion or whatever type of faith they have within their own life on a daily basis. How do you respond to the unknowable? That sends your head spinning like a top. When you apply that to the game of golf and you ask over and over people who are as talented as anyone in the world at that specific craft, and yet you hit an iron that you think is good and suddenly the wind's gusting this way, or suddenly you hit on this side of the green and it's spinning off into a basin, it's really hard to continually come back over and over from those unknowable factors. And that's where you see the greatest mental approaches and the greatest golfers rise. Because to be the greatest golfer, you have to have the very best mental game when a course is set up as it was uh, at the PGA Championship. That's why we're seeing the entire weekend People lose their minds. People have anger meltdowns, uh, pseudo-mental breakdowns. You see Wyndham Clark crotty smashing his bag because he can't get over that he keeps chipping the ball right back to his feet. You see Eric Van Royen on the 17th tee just chopping left and right with his club, smashing a tee marker out to sea. You see people in every single golf tournament do stuff like this because golf drives you insane when you can't respond to the unknowable in a measured manner, in a way that you say, I did everything I could control on that shot and it didn't work out, but I can come back with the same approach and know over the course of time that more times than not, I'll be in a good place. That's really hard to do that. 
that's what created such a compelling story with Mickelson at this tournament. You know, the chill as hell dude who almost seemed like a prophet wandering around out in the desert with his hat on and his shades and the entire crowd at his back freaking out and chanting his name. And he's moving drones out of the way of his shots. You know, at one point I'm expecting him to pull out a staff and stamp it into the ground and part the sea and wander off who knows where with all the fans at his back. It was, it was a very spiritual style brand of golf and one that came out as I was watching it. Phil would do something and if it didn't work out, he was measured and he would go back to the next shot with the same approach and said, "Mm, I executed how I wanted. It didn't work out, but I'm in a good place mentally. And I know I have the physical tools to succeed, especially at a place like this, and especially in a tournament that is putting a really big onus on golf as an artistic expression. I'm going to read one more quote. Uh, It also comes from Phil, and it also comes from his post-tourney interview. Uh, This one was given to Brendan Quinn at The Athletic. It's very possible that this is the last tournament I ever win, like if I'm being realistic, he said with a shrug. But it's also very possible that I may have had a little bit of a breakthrough in some of my focus. And maybe I go on a little bit of a run. I don't know. But the point is that there's no reason why I or anybody else can't do it at a later age. Mickelson nodded like an older guy who knows some things. It just takes a little bit more work. End quote. So we see all the themes uh, pulled together, you know, the, the spiritual side of golf, the finding contentment with what you are while also striving to be better. I love when I hear quotes like this from a golfer because I fight a continual battle of like, maybe just this is the best that I have. And, and if that is, so be it, you know. Bill says, it's possible this is the last tournament I win. I honestly don't know. Maybe it's a breakthrough and maybe I'm going to turn out a sweet stretch of golf, but you never really know. There's the years that ask questions and the years that answer. Hopefully you have the years that answer at some point within your own golf journey. Uh, And a lot of us, we won't when it comes to winning tournaments, but you can always find answers when it comes to your motivation for playing the game and what you extract from the game. That's the coolest part of the sport. Uh, This continual back and forth between that process that we've seen play out over the course of multiple decades with Mickelson that created such an incredible story because we've seen the highs, the lows, uh, and somehow at 50 years old, we see him back on top of that mountain uh, in a way that we just never really thought would probably happen ever again. Uh, That's a really cool story. It's a really cool viewing experience. It's really cool for the person who put in that work and who found a a belief in themselves and what they were doing for four days. Um, It's strange that the simple sight and setup of a golf tournament can pull this out of a golfer, but it can. It's why I'm so passionate about how tournaments are set up from as low down to amateur tournaments that I plan to the pinnacle of the sport, these major championships that everybody cares about. Um, The more that you can lean into the artistic side of golf uh, and the spiritual side of golf and all of these really cool and impactful 
ideas and themes and principles that tie into those, uh, the better. It's it's the best for the viewer. And I speak to it as somebody who plays every single day and really truly loves the sport. Um, it does the same thing for the player. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.